Hello, welcome to my podcast. Here we will talk about suicide with compassion and no judgment. For more information on suicide, go to understandsuicide.com. Today I have with me a good friend, someone that I met, what was it, a year and a half, maybe two years ago? Two years. Yeah, I think two years ago I was looking for a support group here in Portland, Oregon, and this is how we met. Thank you so much, Mindy, for being with me, for talking about your loss and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, Mindy lost her daughter, Kat, in March 2017, so it will be practically three years now. Three years in March. It's been two, almost two years, eight months. Okay. Two years, Can you tell months. us a little bit of about what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, My daughter had a perfect storm. She was 33 years old. She lost her job because of drinking, which helped her with her her depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. She felt that the medication she took, the antidepressants and the antipsychotics weren't working. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that worked was the alcohol. She also used marijuana. And um, she was a bulimic besides Mm -hmm. being an alcoholic. And um, when she lost her job because of her drinking, her Uh dog died like two weeks later. She was buying her first townhouse and that fell through because she no longer had a job. So it was just Mm -hmm. like a total perfect storm that hit her. Mm -hmm. And um, I was with her when her dog died. The dog was 16 years old and Mm -hmm. really, I think, kept Mm -hmm. her alive a couple of years because she was talking quite Mm -hmm. often about suicide. Mm -hmm. One part of me thought, I heard that old, you know, it's not true now, but they used to say if they talk about it, they won't do it. Yes, so that's I, a myth, actually. People myth. believe that, but it's not true. Right, and I, I believed it. So you I did. thought maybe she's talking about it, so she won't do it. My ex-husband, when he, uh, she was, even before she was born, he talked about suicide. He's mm-hmm. a practicing alcoholic. And he talked about suicide, but he never did it. So when she got older and started talking about suicide, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, she probably won't do it either. She did call me because she lived in Arizona while I lived in Western Mm -hmm. New York and here. And she called me maybe six or seven times and always said the same thing. She said, Mother, you're a good mother. I love you. I can't take the pain anymore. I'm, I've taken an overdose, and I'm. I just want to say goodbye. So she called you uh, before, six uh, right or seven after? Times. Okay. No, no, not that day. Mm-hmm. Oh, not, okay. uh, six or seven times, and every time she called me, I called the police or fire department wherever oh, she was I see. living. So you thought and, that, that that was going on with her, and you wanted them to come and maybe do a checkup? Yes, and, a wellness okay. check, and well, they would come, okay. and then they would say to me that she hadn't taken anything. So she was crying for help. And Mm -hmm. um, here, she had a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Uh She had uh, just finished a borderline personality, DBT, I think it's called, session. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she had that, um, those tools that, you you know, you're supposed to have numbers that you can call if you're Uh in crisis. She Uh had just done all of that. So a safety plan. She had it put together, okay. And um, uh, she would not tell me who her psychiatrist or psychologist was and I Mm -hmm. kept saying can we go together Uh because I was hoping I would get their number and then I could call them and say Uh I'm watching my daughter disintegrate here and she has all these crises Mm -hmm. loss of job loss of pet 
uh, loss of t- uh-huh. her new home and but so many she would risk not factors me, happening. She wouldn't yeah. give me anybody's name, not even her friends. She was very compartmentalized, but she kept saying she didn't want to live. She didn't want to live. She didn't want to mm-hmm. live. And when her dog died, her sister and brother and I called her or texted her every day and mm-hmm. to just to because you knew we were what afraid. what it meant to her. We were yeah. afraid. And several times I said, "Can I just come be with you?" No, I'm too depressed. So she did not reach out the uh-huh. night, night that she took an overdose of her uh-huh. dog's pain medication. But she did write a note, but it was clear from the note that the word, you know, the uh, handwriting was slurred mm-hmm. that she was drunk. I think it was an impulsive act. She although, had a, although there was a history of mental health right. issues. And she talked about, she had mm-hmm. suicide ideation. So I don't know. She wrote a note. I wish... I, I, you know, we think maybe she thought if, if I survive, I survive, I'll tear up the note. If I don't, I, we just have no idea. Yeah, what there are so many questions after suicide. But her roommate found her and um, it was a Saturday morning and uh, police called my son mm-hmm. and they found the roommate had my son's phone number. And that was the day my life forever changed that morning. Yes. My uh, son couldn't tell me. And so he brought my older daughter over, and the two of them called me downstairs, and I was changing to go out. And mm-hmm. they said, don't change, just come, put it on a bathrobe and mm-hmm. come down. And when they told me right here in the kitchen, I just collapsed on the floor. And um, I just, you know, you go into shock, like you uh-huh. just cannot believe uh-huh. it happened. You just don't believe it. You don't want to believe it, you know. So um, they even though, even though you, I remember you told me once that she had tried before. She had never tried before. She had threatened. She had threatened. Before, yes, she had told you that she which would was do a cry it. for help. Yeah, of course. And every yeah. time I called suicide prevention, the police, uh-huh. something, and I took it seriously. Last time she had it, had done this, mm-hmm. she I said to her, Catherine, if you die, I won't. I don't think I could survive mm-hmm. that a death by you. But I don't know if she heard it. She was very pro euthanasia because, you know, this state of Oregon has legalized death with dignity, it. And yeah. she felt like death would if you have an incurable mental illness, um, then that you have a right to die, which I am ambivalent about that, but mm-hmm. I was never gonna tell her. I course, thought it yeah. was the right thing. Mm-hmm. And she said, I know you don't agree with me, Mom. She said to me, you know, I suggested she go to AA, and she said, I would rather die than go mm-hmm. to AA. So, and she did. I think everybody I've met has guilt. Mm-hmm. What could I mm-hmm. have done differently if I had yes. called, if I had shown up, if I had anything? But I, I wouldn't say I had that much guilt. It was mm-hmm. a normal amount, I think, because... Because you had tried and... I had tried, but... You um, had listened to her call for help so Yes, many and times. I had talked to her about it. But I did have guilt, uh, but I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't what ruled me. What but, ruled me was just this tremendous grief. I really didn't care if I lived. Probably mm-hmm. for the first year, I was very ambivalent about living. I didn't want to die by suicide, yes. but I didn't mm-hmm. care if I died. I mm-hmm. just felt like then I would be closer to her. Well, it is one of, I mean, I... Losing a father or your mother, your parents is the natural course of life. But when you lose a child, that is the hardest grief to have. She was a wonderful daughter. She was a terrific person. 
And I did get cancer, uh, breast cancer, 10 months after her death. And I believe she helped me to find it uh, because I was mm -hmm. looking at her picture and I said, you're in my heart, Catherine. And I put my hand on my heart and felt this lump. Wow. And then mm -hmm. went right away to the doctor and it was cancerous and I had a mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And I feel as though I was so devastated and didn't really care about mm -hmm. whether I lived or died. That, And the fact that it's in my left breast my where my heart is yeah it's very symbolic I think it was very symbolic for me and I went to saw my oncologist in March for I have treatments every mm -hmm. six months mm -hmm. like chemo treatments uh -huh. and this oncologist said to me how are you doing and she was asking like mm -hmm. holistically yes. how are you doing uh -huh. and I said my daughter the anniversary the second anniversary of my daughter's death is coming up in a week and I uh -huh. I am a mess uh -huh. yes and anniversaries are the really hard really yeah. really hard yes and this oncologist put her hand on my shoulder and uh -huh. she said the way you talk about your daughter, she sounds so terrific. I wish I had known her. Aww. And that was like the nicest thing anybody yes. could say to me, that mm -hmm. I wish I could have known your daughter. So I want people to know my daughter. Yes. I, yes. What I know now about other people who've lost loved ones mm -hmm. to suicide yes. is we want to talk about them. And, um, and was it hard for you at first? Because there is a stigma associated with suicide that makes it so hard for people to open up. People usually not don't. For me. don't it, did it happen to you at all no, within your didn't. family or with your friends? I never How had did a they suicide react? in my family okay. before. But um, my brother had a friend who died by suicide like 35 years ago, but I had only met her a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But I felt sad that she had died. I didn't feel the stigma. My daughter struggled with mental illness, with mm -hmm. brain disease for a long time. And she always talked about suicide the entire time. So uh, I felt as though I had her on borrowed time. I Again, I didn't believe she would do it. Yeah. But it's so she, hard to believe that anyone would, right? Right. But I felt like I had to soak her up. The very last time I saw her, which was seven days before she died, we had was the day her dog died. I was with her, uh -huh. and then we went out to dinner. And I, you know, now in hindsight, when you look, there's a part of me that maybe thought, I wonder if I'll see her again, mm -hmm. because she said for 13 years when her dog died, she would die. Mm -hmm. So um, that last time I saw her, I just like tried to commit her to memory. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this, I didn't even have this awareness until a year or two after she mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. So it was un unconscious, like memorize mm -hmm. everything about her. And when I dropped her off back at her apartment, I watched her walk um, up to her apartment and walk in. And that's the last time I ever saw mm -hmm. her. And I can still see her in my mind's eye. She said to me many times, don't ever stop talking about mental illness. Take the stigma away, Mom. Good, she said, good. people are mean to me. People are unkind. They people don't call understand. me crazy. Yeah. So the stigma was on her. Uh -huh. and, um, about mental illness. About mental precisely. illness. Yeah. And she would have a boyfriend. She, she was very pretty, so she had, um, is easy to get a boyfriend. Then her mental illness would really come out and she would sabotage the relationship yes. and and the boyfriends would say to her you're crazy you know and she used to say to me mom i don't want to be crazy i don't oh. want to be crazy mm -hmm. mom i don't want to be sad. crazy yeah. i think her dog was something you know so close to her 
It was one of the triggers she for sure. Here, uh, unconditional love, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's amazing that you didn't experience that because it's so rare to hear from someone who loses a person to suicide said no I didn't experience the stigma so when you and and I know you and I know Mm -hmm. how openly you talk about this so maybe that that helps too because sometimes I feel that the more you try to hide it the more you feed the stigma you know I um I have four children and she was my third and two are biological and two are adopted and Mm -hmm. the two adopted are uh, Chinese and Filipino Mm -hmm. so I'm already used to uh, having a blended family and that my children are all my children. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how I came by them. Sure. And uh, they alternated, biological, adopted, biological, mm-hmm. adopted, and mm-hmm. they were all just the same. But I was used to people staring at my adopted children, you know, uh-huh. because they're a different race mm-hmm. and they would stare. So I was already used to not caring what people think. Okay. And I'm sure your yeah. attitude of openness also helps. Yes, and but nobody thought I had adopted children. People thought I was married four times because I had like a <laughs> blonde child, so a black-haired, a blonde-haired, a black-haired. So yeah. um, people always said, were you married oh, four times? My God, so, this woman. <laughs> I know, so I was already used to um, not minding what mm-hmm. people think. Yes. But I, I refuse to have any shame about my daughter's death. I'm proud Good. of my daughter. I'm not going to say it was a courageous act. I think it was an act of a desperate person. Yes, it's an act of someone who is in pain. Act of a desperate person who was in tremendous pain. Mm-hmm. But I'm extremely proud of my daughter for everything that she did. You know, she lived as long as she could, mm-hmm. and I wish. And as well as she could. As well too. as she could, yeah. and. Um, I have so many wonderful memories. In the beginning, mm-hmm. I couldn't remember any of them. All I could remember was how she died. Wow. And I went round and round it and round. It does take time, doesn't it? Because death takes over. The death it takes does. over. How it happened, what, how could it have happened, uh-huh. how you could have Could have done differently, it. yes. And I couldn't think of anything else. Now I'm beginning to remember, to remember those the good wonderful things. good yes. times. What about your family? Do you find that, how did they react? Did they react? Because sometimes I have heard from families who even had quarrels and arguments because one doesn't even want to admit that it was suicide. The other one sees it differently. There is sometimes blaming. Uh, you were not good enough or you're not a good sister or brother and how did your family react to the suicide uh well i have three other children Mm -hmm. um one of them has really openly grieved she hasn't gone to her my daughter's older Mm -hmm. sister Mm -hmm. she hasn't gone to any kind of uh, group therapy or anything but she has done some reading about suicide Uh, she is um she's talked about suicide she's gone to uh to the Out of Darkness Walks Walk, with the American okay. Foundation mm-hmm. of Suicide Prevention. Which happens twice, every year, And right? she's going to do mm-hmm. it again this Saturday with me. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so she's been involved, and we talk about her sister. Uh-huh. And she, in the beginning, she was angry, you know. Which uh, is normal. How yeah. dare my sister. She's my was like my closest person. Uh-huh. I, we had each other's secrets. And uh-huh. who am I going to tell my secrets to now, you yeah. know? So she was... It's a great loss. She yeah. was devastated, she and she got a tattoo uh, to on my daughter's uh, the first year of her death. She got a tattoo, or maybe it was my daughter's birthday after, uh, on her foot of two mm-hmm. little birds, mm-hmm. uh, like sister birds, oh. and uh, and it's got the um, suicide 
semicolon. Yeah, the semicolon. Yeah, that's the symbol. Yeah. She's got that symbol on there, mm -hmm. and it's such a beautiful, beautiful tattoo. How it's right there. Do you see that? Oh, I see, yeah. yeah. We're looking at um, a shrine that she put together for her daughter. It looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, my uh, one son has really not really much uh -huh. mentioned it at all. and um, It's harder for him to open up? Yes. I don't think he's even really thought about it much. Uh -huh. Like he's in such denial. Oh. And the other son... And do you talk to him? What does he we say? We do talk about uh -huh. him. He just sort of changes the subject. My older son um, has been devastated, but he talks about it. He cried. He's cried. All of them have cried mm -hmm. with me, but we've all grieved totally differently. You know, yes, it's so interesting yeah. how we all grieve very differently. But it, it's, it sounds like your family at least talks about it because some families won't. And I've even met families that deny the suicide, all of it. They change... Uh, in, in Brazil, here it's different, but in Brazil, there is a, the stigma is huge about suicide. And even sometimes you you will see the cause of death as accident or something like that. And families ask to not mention suicide for various reasons. Do you do you are you are you religious at all? Because that's one of the things that sometimes helps. How does that work for you? Uh, I was angry at God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, because I could see it happening. You know, I could see her disintegrating. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. I started praying a rosary, which I hadn't prayed for many mm -hmm. years. Maybe the last month of her life, every day. And um, when she died, I stopped praying it. Like So I was treating God in a way like Santa Claus, mm -hmm. because I was saying, please help my daughter, please help my daughter, please help my daughter. And when she died, I said, you didn't help my daughter. So I I haven't given up my faith, which is I've had a faith, deep faith since I was a young child. But mm -hmm. my but I'm grappling with my faith. I've mm -hmm. read a book by Rabbi Kushner. Um, mm -hmm. I read it 30 years ago when it came out. And I had no reason to read it. It was just a bestseller, and I liked uh -huh. it then. But do you, now, do you since, remember the name? Yes, oh. when bad things happen. happen. To oh good yes, people. I've read that. Yes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful, yeah. and there's also a YouTube where you can hear him talking mm -hmm. about it. It's really wonderful. What he says is, it's not why do bad things happen to mm -hmm. good people. It's when bad things happen to mm -hmm. good people, mm -hmm. because bad things do happen to good people. So what it says was, God cannot keep bad things from happening. God can't. Uh, so it changes your conception of God, you know. But what he says at the end of the book is, um, God shows up in the grieving to carry you when you're suffering. So God mm -hmm. is there in your suffering. Yeah. And I have felt God there. You have. Okay. I have felt God there. And, um, and, he, and then he says, also God brings people into your life that you would mm -hmm. never have met who mm -hmm. console, console you. And that's how I met you. I would never, ever have met you. Mm -hmm. If my daughter hadn't died and your father hadn't died, I never would have met you. Sure. Yeah. And so we've consoled each other, and here we are, friends. We would mm -hmm. have never even met or been That's friends. True. Yeah. So I see that while I, you know, God couldn't keep, maybe you know, couldn't keep my daughter alive, mm -hmm. but God has shown me a lot of mercy mm -hmm. and love, huge amount of love 
from, I felt it from a higher power, from God, but also from the people like you and family members. And one friend who wasn't particular, she was an acquaintance, uh-huh. and she has no children. And she called me every single day, almost the first year, for about 11 months, yeah, every single amazing, day. Yeah. And some days I didn't answer uh-huh. because I was in such grief. And she would leave a message uh-huh. every just to, single Just to be day. present. To just say, I'm to be here. present. I'm, I'm here. here and I care. And and first I wouldn't answer. Uh-huh. But after, I don't know how long, a few weeks or something, uh-huh. I would answer. And I would just cry uh-huh. and cry. And she would just let me talk. So where did she get that? To me, uh-huh. that is like God, that uh-huh. she got... Her, she has a busy yeah. life and how she could call me every single day yeah and it's uh, you know what you just said brought back to me I wrote I have a website understandsuicide.com and one of the things that I say there is don't wait because we usually say oh if you if you feel sad give me a call or if you're grieving and things are too hard if you need something let me know no, don't do that. Call them. Be proactive. That's very important because it shows them that you care. And people, when we are depressed and when we go through such a difficult loss, we don't have the energy to call anyone, right? Anyone who said to me, call me anytime, I, you I, never, I did. never, did you? never did. Never, never did. Never once. Who does? No, who does? Never once. So be proactive. Yeah. That's one of the things that really can make a difference. And I had friends bring me food. They brought me breakfast, lunch, and dinner for probably the first four or five weeks that she died. Every meal that was brought to me because I didn't want to eat. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I couldn't sleep. I don't think I slept for four days, and I couldn't eat. I I was like a zombie. So finally, they said, some friends said, you have to eat. (laughs) You know, you have to eat. You have to come back. Yeah. Be in the living, you know. Uh-huh. But and, they, d- um, but they didn't say if you feel like eating, give me no, a call, right? No, they didn't. They it's very the different. Food. They bring it. Door. Yeah, Leslie, which uh, that Leslie just so the listener knows, she used to be the facilitator of the group that we used to go to, and I remember one of the things she used to say is be proactive, you know, call bring food, do something practical, offer help, take the kids to school, go to the grocery and, and buy them food or do something to help, but don't wait for them to call you because nobody will. will. No, nobody will. will. So what what else helped you? In your well, grieving? I read a lot of books. So mm-hmm. well, some people can't read. I read everything I could get my yeah, hands on. Yeah, I did on. the same. I did the same. Everything <laughs> on grief, uh, all of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's yes. books. Uh, uh-huh. I read um, John Holland. I read the uh, Long Island Madam. You know, I was uh-huh. trying to communicate with my daughter I on the totally other side. I totally understand, yes. I read uh, religious books. Mm-hmm. I read C.S. Lewis on a book on um, when his wife died. He wrote mm-hmm. a book on grief, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really retain it. I did highlight anything that spoke to me, and I read. Uh-huh. I, now I'm rereading them. So I think in the last two years I've read over 200 books, but I didn't necessarily retain a lot. It was just comforting. It, it brought solace to me. Uh-huh. I read everything I could get my hands on on suicide, and there's a lot out there now, so I'm I un- still I reading. understand. I understand because I did the same. I started reading compulsively, specifically about suicide, because it was so, something so 
distant, so foreign to me. I wanted to understand. And for me, it was really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. And as you said, I don't remember much of what I read, but at that time, because it's traumatic and any trauma will affect your memory. So it's normal that you don't remember. Yeah, I actually couldn't remember even if I had been to the funeral of my my dad's funeral. For a long Uh time, I couldn't remember. So that's how bad it affects you. But I understand what you're saying. I read so much. It gives you hope. That's what it, it, it did helps for me. connect. Yeah, it and helps somebody you told me to listen to music, but mm-hmm. I couldn't listen to music because yeah. it reminded me of my daughter. Because you know, this mm-hmm. she was 33 years old, so there was a lot of music from the 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, 90s, now, mm-hmm. and it just made me burst into tears. I couldn't listen. Yeah, to some anything. things are more triggering than others. It was very right? triggering for yeah. me. So then I settled on uh, Christian music. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was because she did not go to church. Uh-huh. So that I could listen to it. <laughs> because that, that was totally not triggering. Totally not her. <laughs> it was the opposite. <laughs> that was the only music, and I yeah. still am listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> You're still listening to gospel All music. All these gospel music. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. something else that you have done, and I've, I've always appreciated that, and just so the listeners understands I'm here looking at some cards and I think for grief in general uh, even if it's not suicide grief rituals can be very meaningful and it does help for families to remember the deceased and the person who who left and Mindy she has chosen and bought a card for every year right for her birthday And I would like, if you don't mind, to read one of them. I know that you just bought one for this year. <laughs> I bought one for next year. Her for next year. Her birthday's in July. Okay. Her birthday's so in July. So if you don't mind and if you could I'm read. i read the first one. Okay. Because I bought the first card. She was going to be 34 in July and okay. she died in March. Okay. And I bought the card maybe in December. You know, uh-huh. I bought it. It was so her. She was a hiker. Oh, okay. And a camper and... Um, so the picture has uh, boots on it. Okay. Which, and it and says, a message. Yeah. It says on the front, my baby is not a baby anymore. She's a woman making her own way in life and carving her own path in the world. I'm so proud of the way you live your life, fearlessly, confidently, and with a spirit that's all your own. And it's then a beautiful I, message. I, yeah. So when she died, I my sister came from Canada to stay with me the first week, first and I, I just kept saying, I wish I'd given her this card. I wish she could have known how I, uh-huh. proud I was of her. Uh-huh. She said, Mindy, give it to her on her birthday, just like you were going to. So, so she gave her the idea for the card. She did. So okay. what I wrote was, um, honey, I can't see you today, not like I could last year or all the other years when we celebrated your birthday together. But there were many years when we were apart on your birthday and we spoke by phone. I'd sing you happy birthday on your voicemail and you'd call to thank me once you'd awakened. So this 34th birthday of yours is yet another way to celebrate your special day together. We are still together because now you're in my heart, spirit, and soul. You are with me always, dear. I found this card before you died, several months before, and I'm pretty sure I told you that I bought you the perfect birthday card. It really says everything I love about you. You are indomitable, and your spirit lives on in all our hearts. With much love, Mom. Thank you so much for sharing, Mindy, and thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm really glad to see that you are doing better, and you're looking, you're searching for help. You're still doing your weekly meetings with the suicide 
prevention and suicide support group. A bi-monthly meeting. Bi-monthly? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So bi-monthly. It was then, weekly. Now it's bi-monthly. No, it has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to end the interview, I want to thank you for your generosity and your openness. And this is why I created this podcast, is to talk about suicide and to fight the stigma that surrounds this theme. And I, I know that makes it so hard for for us, for us who grieve this kind of loss. Do you have anything else that you would like to say or what would you say to someone who has just lost a person, a loved one to suicide? Is there anything that you would like to say to them? You know, um, I have met since my daughter died so many grieving people. Mm-hmm. And I have surprisingly met many people who are themselves suicidal. And I think it's so interesting that I am not suicidal, and I haven't been, but that I had a daughter that I lost to suicide. And yet people who are struggling themselves Mm -hmm. call me to share with me as though I might understand their pain. And I try to understand their pain. Uh Uh, I I see my daughter in each one of them, and I Uh just hear my daughter saying, listen to them, mother, listen to them and love them. So that is the surprising Mm -hmm. thing to me, is how many Mm -hmm. people have reached out to me Mm -hmm. who themselves are suffering and Mm -hmm. have suicidal ideation. But for people who've lost loved ones to suicide, that what helped me best or most was talking to other people who've lost loved ones to suicide. And if somebody said to me, I have a sister who died by suicide, or my friend has a mother, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, could I have their phone number? And I would Uh call them. And I would say, I just Uh lost my daughter. And can you tell me about your loss? Yes. And I've met people all around the world. And uh, like I, there was a woman who lost her daughter two weeks after I lost mine, who lives in Toronto. Uh And we've become good friends. And I've never even seen her. I've met people everywhere. And so I reached out as a way of coping with my own grief. But that's so, a great point because some people don't reach out because I, they have yeah. shame or because they think that they're not going to be understood or listened to. And it does help, doesn't it? I didn't reach out to anyone who said, call me if you want. Yes. Not one of those so, people. So yes, For, let's let's end on that, on that note. <laughs> if you want to help someone who is grieving, show up. Right. Show up, yeah. call them. Bring them food, do whatever you can, but right. don't expect them to pick up the phone and give you a call because they right. won't. No. Thank you so much, Mandy. You're thank welcome. you so much for your time and thank you, listener, for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast. For more information on suicide, go to understandsuicide.com. <laughs>